Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. You know, we're screwed if we ever start to like genuinely hate each other. Why? Well, what we were talking about before we started recording was how much like respect we have for Bill Burr, for example, because he just sits alone on his podcast and just talks. Yeah. Uh, and we can't, like, there's no way. There's just absolutely, that's the most difficult thing. There's no way we could. We're going to have like sub podcasts where we all each have our own podcast <laughs> under the Wing Wheel Podcast Network or something. We just all talk shit about each other. Yeah. Yeah. It just came off this stupid <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, we're tethered to each other whether we like it or not. I, yeah. I don't know what I would talk about. And you know what else? My dog loves you guys. Like Abby lives for when you come over and she understands when you're about to come over. Cause I start to like get things ready and I pull out the water, like the, the glasses of water that you guys have. And she's just lo- starts losing her mind. Evan notoriously not a dog guy probably spends the first five minutes. He's in my house playing with the dog. Yeah. I'm a dog whisperer. Yeah. Everybody's dogs love me for some reason. Maybe because I look like them. <laughs> it's cause you play hard to get for the first couple months. That is true. Yeah. And then now you're just. A giant suck. Anyways, uh, here to talk to you about hockey. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Um, Detroit Red Wings news dropped before we started recording. So thank you, Steve Eiserman. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's get into it. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Today we are going to talk to you, unfortunately, about the Red Wings game against, um, well, a couple games against Tampa Bay and Florida, which went as games against Tampa Bay and Florida sometimes tend to do. Uh, but more importantly, the Red Wings had some news today with uh, Ole Olevi. Olevi? Olevi? Olevi. Uh, Ole Olevi, who they claimed off of waivers. So um, that was one where, yeah, anyways, we'll get into it. Um, there's a ton of roster moves that could potentially happen. There is a log jam. Something needs to happen. So we'll get into that as well as what uh, Valeno going down means. We have some potential news on Verona. Things seem to be getting closer. And then we'll get into a prospect profile uh, on one of the bigger names you're going to see in this year's uh, 2022 NHL draft. Before all that, though, uh, Winged Wheel podcast night at the LCA. Big update. The after party slash post game event has been confirmed. Harry's in Detroit, which is just a stone's throw away from the arena. Uh, He's going to host the Winged Wheel podcast night after party. So we have the entire uh, upper floor booked. So let's fill that thing up. So again, Winged Wheel podcast night uh, tickets are on sale now. Check the description of this episode. The tickets are discounted. Excellent. So what they give you is access to the Detroit Red Wings versus Columbus Blue Jackets game on Saturday, April 9th, which starts at 7 p.m. But a few hours prior, what's going to start is uh, our live episode recording at Little Caesars Arena. Ken Daniels is going to join us. Mickey Redmond possibly is going to stop by. Some other special guests are going to come through. And there's going to be a hangout uh, slash mix and mingle slash get together in the uh, beer garden where the live episode actually takes place. So you can meet the hosts or avoid us if you prefer. I'd recommend the latter, unless you want to go get an autograph from Evan. He's given those out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he really loves signing autographs. He loves That's signing autographs. That's my favorite thing to do. Uh, there's going to be food out for everyone. We're, the bar is going to be open to grab drinks. We're going to have uh, merch, swag. Uh, we have a ton of stuff planned. So that's all going to uh, be there for you. 
tickets are either in the gondola or lower bowl for wing wheel podcast sections, which with some upper bowl options for you, if you prefer that. And then, yeah, the after party, more, more giveaways, more food, more drinks. And they're, uh, they said they're going to stay open as long as we're busy. So challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, those poor bastards have no idea what they got themselves into. Yeah. 1am is my bedtime. And, uh, that is when I will be calling. I don't off. I don't think we. I walked into my hotel room until almost three a.m. on the last one. <laughs> we were, yeah, we were up pretty late. And I was out of there at eight thirty oh in the morning. God. Evan was out like a like flew out like a bat out of hell. The first time he saw or the first crack of sunlight, you were out. Yep. Anyhow, Winged Wheel Podcast night at the LCA. Uh, grab your tickets. Check the link in the description or go to wingedwheelpodcast.com slash blog. And remember, a por- a portion of the proceeds from every ticket benefits the Jamie Daniels Foundation, which is the most important part of all of this. So. Uh, what we are going to do is start off by talking about um, the Detroit Red Wings and their two-game road trip through Florida, which started with one against Tampa Bay on Friday night. Let's start with that. Well, the Coles notes is it started okay, got very, very bad, and then finished okay. Um, this game was simple. The Red Wings played a right. Did their best. Um, despite the shot disadvantage, I thought actually defended decently. Even though Tampa had the puck for 85% of the game, Detroit was able to keep him to the outside for most of it. Um, but the talent discrepancy between the Lightning and the Red Wings was glaringly obvious the entire game. Because when Larkin, Sider, and Raymond were not on the ice, the Red Wings were getting caved. It, well, first of all, I just want to say you jinxed this weekend because you didn't let Evan get his requisite line in that because it was too difficult teams to play, the Red Wings going to win. And you, yep. you you jumped the gun, so you actually tanked the Red Wings. So everyone blame Brad. Uh, you're welcome for the better draft pick. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be one of those things where like, oh, if they had won one of those two games against the Florida teams, they would have you know, finished this higher and then would have won it. Somehow Connor McDavid would have ended up on no, the Red Wings. The zero points they got here is how the Red Wings picked sixth. Great. <laughs> Great. So, I don't know how that's going to work out, but that's that's what's going to happen. So the your prophecy is self-fulfilling. You're part of this cosmic machine that is driving us slowly insane. Yes. You are actually why my hair is falling out. I hope you know that. Well, like, I'm surprised you still haven't figured it out, right? Like, you've seen the movie Truman Show, right? Yeah. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> I don't like when you're funny, dude. <laughs> it's, it's deeply upsetting. Uh, yeah, it's – this was a game where – you know, the Red Wings would have had to come out with a pretty mega performance and we would have had to have seen a Tampa Bay team that was, uh, you know, sluggish. And coming off the loss that they had to Pittsburgh where, you know, John Cooper got tossed and that was a really bad showing from Tampa Bay. There was no way the Red Wings were going to get a weak Tampa Bay team. Like they weren't going to get a repeat of how they played well against Carolina, but I think to some degree Carolina had a less than stellar game. Um, and, and that's just not what happened here. It's... It's great that the Red Wings did hold up at points. I don't think the, the Tampa Bay and the Florida games were exactly the same by any means. But yeah, it, it didn't look all too good. No, because even in the stretches where the Red Wings got hemmed in their zone, when when you actually watch it and break it down, they defended well despite never having the puck. Because Tampa, it wasn't like Tampa was just teeing off from the slot all game. Um, obviously Tampa got a lot of chances from the slot because when you have the puck all the time and you're as skilled as Tampa, you're going to get them. 
But all things considered, that game should have been a lot worse than it was, in part due to sound defending, but mostly due to Nedeljkovic just getting into one. Yeah, Nedeljkovic had a great game. Also should be pointed out, yeah, this is this is on us for not doing last episode. Ned won against his former team in Carolina, and we didn't really talk about that too much. So that was actually huge for him. I put it in my post-game recap. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Valeno, I thought. There was one play. It was uh, Valeno on Sergachev coming down the Oh, the bodied him. The, yeah. That ended up in a delay game penalty. Just kidding. No, it didn't. I, <laughs> I hate to bitch about the refing, but there was some refing in that game. Anyhow, uh, but Valeno had a really good uh, rush on the side where he took. He absorbed a pretty big impact from Sergachev, came out better, and it, it ended up in a chance for Zadina. Uh, quality chance, and then... Mark Stahl banged the rebound through Mark Stahl. Elliot, and then Joe Valeno would have had what would have been an empty net, except Sergachev knocked the net off. Naturally, Sergachev scored shortly after, because that's how it works. And that's how it went. Someone on Twitter, I think it might have actually been Sarah, but I, I read it very quickly and I didn't have time to respond, was asking, is the refing bias against the Red Wings this year, or is the refing just noticeably worse all across the NHL this year? And it it's the latter. It's just bad. As much as I want to say the refs are out to get the Red Wings, I, this is just good old-fashioned incompetence. It's not anything malicious like that. I don't think they're worse this year. I think the Red Wings are better, and so it's starting to matter more. It could be. That could very well be true. But like I wa- even when I'm watching non-Red Wings games, it's bad. It's, it's not good. <laughs> the uh, important part of the one goal, or the, uh, not the one goal, sorry, the... Um, yeah, what am I saying? The one goal, they lost 3-1. The goal that Robbie Fabry scored was that was one where Sider jumped up on the break, got the assist, and uh, he actually extended his point streak to eight games. It unfortunately ended the game after, but he became the fourth rookie defenseman in NHL history to record a point streak of eight games or longer. Uh, Shane Gossespierre being the most recent. Um, Kevin Shattenkirk did it as well, and then a gentleman by the name of Barry Beck in 77-78. So... It was... Uh, and then he invented Beck's beer. Is that real? No. Oh. <laughs> I, I was had waiting you. for it. You did. I had you. I bit hard on I that I saw one. it in your eyes. <laughs> I was watching that like I was watching a sitcom. Like, I knew it was coming, but it was still going to be funny. <laughs> one thing I want to talk about in that game, and I think you'll know the shift I'm talking about, the power play that the Red Wings had, where everything good that happened on the power play ran through the sticks of Moritz Sider or Lucas Raymond. Started out with Lucas Raymond catching a pretty tough puck and still corralling it in motion, breaking into the zone um, cleverly. That wasn't an easy zone entry. And they didn't score. And I think there were points where Lucas Raymond should have been a little bit more selfish and shot. So it by no means was perfect, but it was just such a refreshing power play to watch. And it was such a reinforcement of what we talked about last episode, that stat that Prashanth pulled. Um the difference in this team when those guys are on the ice and the puck is running through their sticks, the poise and the puck control that they have has been missing for so long. And they should they shouldn't be the only guys on the team who are able to do it. Like that's a pretty big problem with the Red Wings right now. Like they have a second unit that just they do their best. <laughs> do they though? <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> they, they certainly are out there, I think. Uh but that was it was just a really good display, and I think it was just kind of mesmerizing to watch yeah and the more i watch it and obviously trying to decipher why raymond insider 
are so much more effective on the power play than everybody else on the Red Wings, beyond just obviously they're two of the more skilled players on the team. They move. That's really all it comes down to. Like when they have the puck, they have the skill to do what they want with it. But when they don't, they move. And when they get it, they move. It's yeah. such a simple principle that the Red Wings power play struggles so mightily with. Because you can always watch Raymond on the left half all there when he doesn't. He's moving to find where that seam's going to be. Or if that seam, he knows that seam's not going to open up. He's just, okay, I'm popping up here. I'm your outlet. If you get in trouble, I'm here. And then when you're on the power play, the key to getting points is just having the puck a lot. So if you're in the right spot to receive the puck, you're going to get points off of it. And I don't think there's any magical formula why they're so much better at it. And Larkin's good at it too, but the other power play, uh, the rest of the power play is not. But yeah, they just, they make the defense move, which then causes mistakes eventually. And they capitalize. Thing with the, the difference between their shift where they were doing that against Tampa and when they do that against other teams is Tampa's good enough. They don't buckle when they do that. Like if they were playing, if they did that exact power play against Montreal, somebody on Montreal is messing up at some point and they are getting a a shot off and they are going to get a quality shot, but it just Tampa didn't open it up for him. And one thing is the second unit, like Brad just said, the movement is key and there's more that goes into a power play, but I second that the movement is important because that's the biggest hindrance with the Red Wings power plays. They just stayed static and moved along the perimeter and it was so terrible and predictable that if they ever ended up gaining the zone, which was a rarity, it was useless. But I'll also say just because it's a simple thing to do doesn't mean like in terms of implementing a solution doesn't mean that players can do it. Yeah. Like yeah. moving with the puck and making decisions, it, it takes skill and it takes a, a thinking for the game that I don't want to say only the most elite players can do it, but you have to be pretty good. You know, there's a lot of criticisms of Adam Ernie uh, that you might have. And there's a lot of criticisms of, you know, Michael Rasmussen or whoever ends up on that second power play unit, but you could never really peg those guys as power play drivers, as ones to move the puck and make those decisions. They're not going to be that. And, you know, they are on that second unit more or less by necessity at this point. So if you have maybe one or one and a half guys on any given second power play unit shift who can do that, that power play is not going to do much. You essentially have to bank on chaos or some catastrophic error or someone just doing it all themselves and ripping it home with a wicked shot, which like Brad said, against better teams, you're just not going to get that opportunity. But it's not simply saying going up to Adam Ernie and saying, hey, you know, move like Raymond does off the half wall with a puck and make the kind of decisions. Sure, he would if he could. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> it's not that easy. And this isn't like some soapbox, like stop being angry at Red Wings players. That's not it. I'm just saying like, that second unit's not getting better until they have better players on it, plain and simple. They could try. <laughs> Brad, they're trying. They could They could try. Try what? Try I'm not better. saying effort. I'm saying they could try moving, see what happens. I don't think the skill is there. I don't think so either, but uh, what they're doing now isn't working, so try anything else. L- watch. If, if you're confused about what we're talking about, or maybe you disagree, just ISO, like watch only Raymond or Cider or Larkin on a power play and watch how they make the difficult passes. Like a, a pass along the perimeter, guys can do that. But in terms of generating space, getting guys to move and creating chances, watch how those passes are created and the small things that they do to generate that space. Cider is a master at it. The one th- I think we mentioned this on a in a broader conversation a month or two ago, but it, it is relevant here as well. In the NHL, there are very few goals scored 
where a mistake isn't made. Almost all goals in the NHL result uh, of someone on the defensive team missing assignment, blowing a tire, tipping a puck. Just not familiar. Something goes wrong. But the less you do, the easier it is for them to not screw up. So we say, can we've used the term controlled chaos here before, which is what your power play should be. Because the more you move, the more the defense moves, and the more the defense moves, the more likely they are to make a mistake for you to capitalize on. Because when you watch a hockey game from up top, it looks incredibly simple and not that fast. And you see all this white ice and all this time and space. When you're at ice level, there's no time and space. There's none of that visuals. Guys are overlapping each other. The puck. It's hard. There's a million things going on. Like watch a game from the glass if you can. And it, it gives you an entirely different perspective on the game. Or watch from the gondola. But, we a podcast night at the LCA. Yeah. And then, so you combine that. And then you have nine players on the ice four or five from each team trying to coordinate with each other to not screw up. Well, the more you make a move, someone is going to screw up eventually. And that's why these guys are successful. Not because again, every once in a while you run into a good team like Tampa where Sider and Raymond can run around on that shift and look like elite megastars that they are, but not score because they're playing up against elite megastars and they gave them nothing. Let's, uh, let's jump to the second game. Red Wings versus the Panthers. Uh, not even 24 hours later. And that's our recap. Yep. It it was the second night of a back-to-back against two of the best teams in the NHL. The guys are gassed from the first game. So in my mind, they had every excuse to be bad. Uh, and they were bad. <laughs> and I don't want to say it, go out there, go and say they, um, they put a good effort out there. They didn't. And I, I think no one on the team is going to be happy with that. And I think... It is very fair to be displeased with what they put forward, even in the face of that back-to-back. But that is what it is. I think they've had the, this is a Red Wings team that's had a really shitty schedule. You know, lately, lately, best schedule in the first half. Arizona on Tuesday is going to be a small reprieve, but then it's you know just Minnesota, Calgary, Edmonton again. So it's hey, Edmonton's not a playoff team anymore. I can never keep track of what the. Where the arrow is pointing on Edmonton at any given moment. But with Arizona coming up and after the schedule they had, we know how this is going to go. Evan, say it. They're going to win. Of course. Does that count because he made you say it? I, no, he even, I thought he, we were talking about Arizona. I was like, they're going to lose that one. <laughs> you know, yes, yeah, yeah. That, win that, the that, hard that, ones. Yes, that's the joke. Thank you. The, the Red Wings got clobbered by Florida, who is just such a good hockey team. Um, and they made it easy. Some of those, it's not a revelation, but this team on defense is just. <laughs> Was the front of the net open? I don't know. Yeah, <sighs> It's an absolute joke. Even if you're dead tired from playing Tampa Bay, you should, you should start by just defending in front of your net and then work <laughs> outwards. <laughs> it's, it's a running joke, like on beer league teams. Hey, if you don't know how to defend, just Find somebody somewhere between your goalie and the slot. You'll accidentally be in a passing lane a few times. Like <laughs> the number of people who just have their thumb up their ass in our own zone. What two guys watching one guy and then in comes somebody else and they just sneak in. It's so obvious. It's a domino. And you've raised this a lot. It's a domino effect of mistakes. One guy misses his assignment and there's that usually like it's bad and that puts you in a bad spot, but there's usually mechanisms to cover for it. Like 
you have forwards who come back and play defense. They have a whole trophy named after it. But sometimes the Red Wings just watch the guy in front. Like the real estate is so wide open. and Or the wrong guy comes across and then the other player who thought they had to go get that guy is now mixed up because his, he's getting coverage from somebody else. And the, that guy's player is now just wide open. And like I know he's been taking a beating lately. In terms of, you know, how bad he's been playing. But, you know, Nick Letty just glided. Not now, after the trade deadline. (laughs) Just Nick Letty, Norris caliber defenseman. Yeah. Just glides over to a a puck battle that Hironik's having um, on the side wall, which he wasn't doing particularly well in. And it's like, okay, if if you're going to leave the net wide open in front, which don't do that. But if you're going to do that to go help that puck battle, then help it. Yeah, get in there. Get in there. It just kind of stood, and then the puck – he didn't help. Ironic lost the puck battle. The puck went right past him to uh, – He half-assed two things. He was, he one, got a, yeah. Got a full ass. You got a full, full ass, ass one thing. Which is why – like, again, that's why Cider does so well. Sam Bennett wide open in front as Suter and other forwards are just staring at him, and I was just like, I – I know this is what's going to happen until the defense gets built out with some more capacity, especially on the left side, but it doesn't drive me any less insane. Anyways, the Red Wings lost the game 6-2. Bertuzzi had a good rip. Uh, that's essentially. What was uh It was a, Stan Van Gundy had that famous line on defense. Just form a wall. Yeah. Detroit would be better off just doing that. Uh, just line five guys in a semicircle around the net and see what happens. The biggest victory that the Red Wings had that night, and I'm I'm hardly kidding here, is that a rookie star from another team had two goals and they didn't allow the hat trick. <laughs> Anton Lundell went into the second intermission with two goals on the night and I was like, this guy is you absolutely... set your watch to that. Oh my god. But hey, that's a silver lining. Sure, Florida got the two points and the you know four goal <laughs> win, <laughs> but who prevented the rookie from having a hat trick? Exactly. Well, technically Florida too, but anyways. <laughs> Anyhow, the Red Wings' uh, next game uh, is on Tuesday against Arizona. So time for the uh, Jacob Chickering pre scout. Yeah, <laughs> Chickering, come over to Detroit like we've always intended for you to do. Well, we'll be able to get a real measuring stick how him and Dennis Cholowski match up now. <laughs> You did you have to make it so real and tangible? The comparison hey, hey, we got to include Heronic in here. It's not helping. Don't be. Oh it's god, not, <laughs> it's not helping. Well, at least they cleared Datsuk's contract so they could sign Steven Stout. Oh, they didn't even talk to him. Yeah, <laughs> but at least Franz Nielsen still contributes. Oh. <laughs> ah! <laughs> this is why we don't revisit old trades. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um, before. Actually, let's start with the the Olevy waiver news. Yes, because waiver wire way happier in recent years than trades. <laughs> Ole Olevy on waivers, left-handed defenseman, 23 years old, tons of injury history, but just kind of an anomaly in terms of a player in his development. Um, started off in Vancouver, obviously, and then Florida had him this year before waiving him, and Detroit picked him up. Who is Detroit getting an old Eagle Levy, and what does this mean for the team? A left-handed defenseman. Can't I, be worse. I was pretty much sold there. Um, yeah, so this one's... So, okay, I'll start with the positive. There's no risk here. They claimed him for nothing. They have three pending UFAs on the left side. The left side of the defense that they are deploying is terrible. Mm-hmm. He can't possibly be worse. 
That's the way I look at it. And even if he is, it costs Red Wings nothing. They can just wave him in a week if everything goes completely sideways. So the reality here is, though, is, yeah, Ole Olevi was a highly touted prospect who was picked fifth overall by the Canucks in 2016 and has been perpetually injured ever since. He has not played more than 40-something games in a season at any level since he's been drafted, I'm pretty sure. Um, Before everything really went off the rails for him, he was passable in the AHL around a half a point per game. So it's not like his talent disappeared. But as we've seen with players, when you have devastating injury after devastating injury, it... um, you're not the same player you were, and I don't think Yolevi's ever going to come close to being what people thought he was when he was picked fifth overall. But he does have skill. He is a pretty. He was a cerebral defender. Um, he doesn't have a ton of flashy skills, and he never has. It's never been his game. So if anybody, if he comes in and he's not skating a million miles an hour, deking guys inside out, or ripping bar down from the point, don't. Be like, oh, why'd this guy go fifth? He's never had that in his game. He wouldn't be waved if he did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we accidentally waved him. Oh, we? shoot. Yeah. That's the wrong you levy. So he, he was, he's just a well rat was because I notice how I'm talking in past tense because he's played so little and we have seen him so sparingly over the last few years. I don't know what he is anymore. I, I couldn't tell you. I'm going off draft reports and then like. He was insane on that London team that was like completely stacked. Yeah. And then chop both his legs off. And this is what we have now. Like it's (laughs) Lieutenant Dan. (laughs) So whip the defense into shape. But even if Yo Levy turns into a serviceable bottom paired defenseman, it's a huge win because he's only 23 and they got him for nothing. Yeah, he's played 33 NHL games from the start of the 2019-2020 season until now. That's it. That is two that is the better part of 3 seasons. So anybody hopping on Twitter right now and declaring this or that good or bad about Yolevi, they're wrong. Nobody knows. Good guess. Yeah, like nobody knows. We're going to find out. They wouldn't have claimed him if they don't intend on playing him. Um worst case scenario, he's he's a body to fill after Mark Stahl, Nick Letty, and everybody else gets traded at the deadline. I don't know. So don't hurt my heart like that, man. Yeah, it's it's a no-risk move with at least some upside potential. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's someone someone made the joke like this is either between the Perlini and Fabry. I see this going more Perlini uh side of reclamation projects. And that like that's, that's fair. It's funny and it's it's probably fair, but also uh the Red Wings didn't give up an asset here. This is a team who, if they wave someone, like they're either going to wave someone who, let's say it's not DeKaiser, because he, this, my prediction is that this team will try to see DeKaiser to the end of his contract for the sake of loyalty or whatever. Let's say it's Stetcher. Stetcher losing Stetcher for nothing. Yeah, it sucked. But at this point, based on the last year and a half Stetcher has had, what's he going to get anyways? Not much. There's a chance he doesn't even get claimed. I think he does. There's teams who are looking for that kind of depth, but it's it's ineffectual. And in reality, like you said, Brad, there are a lot of defensemen on the Red Wings that could be traded. Uh, and we'll get into the details of like moving people up and down and, and how long, how much time they have on this. But the Red Wings aren't giving anything up. And it's, it's a free crack at a guy who was drafted fifth overall uh, by the Vancouver Canucks in 2016. 
That's not nothing. He's the leading scorer on the Memorial Cup winning London Knights. Oh, was he? For defensemen. Yeah, that's like it's – there's enough there where it's just worth the project. And if he doesn't work out, wave him. Cut him. It doesn't matter. He's not – you're not attached to this at all. And what have we said all year about the Red Wings defense? It's not like the defense is underperforming. They're playing as you would expect because they have nothing there. Like the left side is absolutely a decrepit shell of a what should be a serviceable NHL decor. Who do they have on the left side right now? Danny DeKaiser. I'm reading this in order of their of their names. Danny the DeKaiser. Ghost, the ghost of. Yeah. Uh, Nick Letty. The ghost of. Jar- Jordan Osterley. You know what? Guy. Jordan Osterley was is supposed to be a 6-7 guy and has been has played games with Moritz Sider on the first pairing and it has not gone as poorly as you might think. Yeah. So I don't I won't stand for Jordan Osterley Quint- slander. Quintessential guy. And Mark Stahl who's probably going to win the Hart Trophy. <laughs> Maximum chaos. Yeah. But like and honestly like you have we're talking the biggest successes for the Red Wings this year on the left side are and I am not kidding Mark Stahl and Jordan Osterley overperforming at times when they would have been they would have had every excuse to be no better than a 6 or 7 guy. Are they good defensemen on a cup winning team? No. No, of course not. Are they even on the roster on a cup winning team? <laughs> no. <laughs> but we're talking about, you know, these Red Wings and those are the only two notable players you can speak of and you got to that relative frame has to be moved firmly into hey, we're talking about the the lowly Red Wings here. They have nothing. So it does not hurt. If Yo Levy comes in and is bad, he'll probably fit right in. <laughs> like now, there is a lot of roster implications here, though, because one, we saw already in the same announcement, the Red Wings mentioned that Joe Valeno is going to Grand Rapids because he's the only waiver eligible player on the team. So, which I don't love because I, I we've pointed out many times over the last few weeks, Valeno has been good like really good like you can we always talk about him being a late bloomer and he's really started to come on in the last month or two but what's the worst case scenario here we're about two weeks 15 days away from the trade deadline Mm -hmm. valeno has to spend two weeks in grand rapids he misses what three four five games max and then a bunch of guys get traded at the deadline Yolevi just kind of spends those two weeks in practice getting used to his new team. So Valeno and Yolevi don't play a single game between now and the deadline. And then a bunch of guys leave and they get right, they get plugged into the lineup and they play a bunch. That's about the worst case scenario here. So, which I don't love. Again, I don't want Valeno in Grand Rapids. He's too good for Grand Rapids with what he's been doing in Detroit. I don't think Yolevi needs to be rushed, but hey, maybe Eisenman gets ahead of this. Maybe he doesn't wave anybody. Maybe he's got a stall or a Letty or a Stetcher trade in his back pocket, and he's going to pull a trigger on it tomorrow. Hey, Troy Reddings have traded Troy Stetcher to the New York Rangers for a sixth round pick. Okay, problem solved. Because they are carrying nine defensemen right now. That is not sustainable. They can't do that long term, especially with Verona coming back soon and potentially Mitchell Stevens coming back soon. Like moves are going to have to be made. So, uh, big point being, don't be surprised if nothing happens with these guys till the trade deadline because it might just be status quo until. We see where the dust settles. We're going to continue this conversation. 
Uh, but before that, let us tell you that this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. They're a sponsor that gives hockey and Red Wings fans what we really need, even more excitement in the game. There are so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook, uh, from ease of use and registration deposits and finding your best bet, and withdrawals, they're quick and easy. FanDuel gets your winnings back to you in as little as 24 hours. They're always running great odds boosts and specials every day with some big super boosts each weekend. Listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win that first bet. No strings attached. You win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Now, what we want you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that risk-free bet and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WASTED in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. All right, Brad. You just said the Red Wings are carrying nine defensemen. Danny DeKaiser, Philip Peronik, Olio Levy, Nick Letty, Gustav Lindstrom, Jordan Osterley, Moritz Sider, Mark Stahl, Troy Stetcher. We know Nick Letty's on the trade block. Part of the reason why they brought him in was because they know they might be able to flip him. And the other part of the reason, the whole, you know, mentorship and some stability on the left side, like, I don't want to sit here and, and say Nick Letty's been a travesty for the Red Wings. He's done some things. You know, the puck movement side of the game, that's something that the Red Wings sorely lack. And there was a little point in there where he actually was really spectacular. Um, or that pairing with Sider was spectacular, or he helped Heronic at least stabilize his game. But the Red Wings can do, I think if he gets traded, the Red Wings can do without that. Uh, Mark Stahl, again, people are saying his name. Like people around the league are saying Mark Stahl's name and not like, oh, this guy's going to garner a first round pick. But they're saying his name in terms of, hey, a, a, a Team that wants to go on a cup run that's lacking the leadership, the veteran guy in the room, the chaos, the chaos, the tinted visor, which is worth a hundred goals every night. All seriousness, Mark Stahl's name is being put out there. So he's likely on the trade block, whether we like it or not. Leads the Red Wings in plus minus, believe it or not. Yes. <laughs> Danny DeKaiser, if he got waived, nothing would happen. Troy Stetcher could be traded or waived. I would be surprised with neither. We're not looking at the same Troy Stetcher from last year where he was having a, like, before injuries, a great season. Like you said, the pick would be low if he was traded, and that's fine. Um, Moritz Sider, obviously, is the future of the Red Wings. Jordan Osterley, I don't think, is going anywhere. Gustav, same with Gustav Lindstrom. Yeah, Jordan Osterley signed through next season, which is valuable right now, given the state of that blue line. Philip Ronick. It's actually an interesting one because I could see Philip Peronik being moved. That's a rabbit hole that we would need to dedicate more than five minutes to. Yeah. I, I don't want to say Philip Peronik's untouchable because he's not. He's, he's far not. from. Um, and I don't want to say that he's necessarily being shopped, but I could see a lot of – in a world where a big move happens, which is this is the NHL, so don't count on it, he could be a centerpiece. Anyhow, that's 9D. I think Sherratt's got to move first before teams start looking at a There's- that's the one thing that's hurting the Red Wings right now. Sherratt, Chikrin. There's a billion defensemen on the market right now. And uh, the Red Wings don't have any of the premium ones. So 
as much as you would like to say trade Letty tomorrow and be done with it, well, if you trade Letty tomorrow, you might not get above a fifth round pick. So it's a, I don't ideally know. you do, and it's Eiserman, so he might turn that into a second somehow, but it's unlikely. Valeno being sent down, I agree. It's not the best, especially considering the momentum he was building and how we know how Valeno builds on momentum like that. Like that's how his game works. He he gets his groove and he slowly builds responsibility and executes a little better. Makes a few uh, fewer mistakes each night. And this whole line with Valeno and or sorry Zadina and, and Rasmussen has been great so far. But it's kind of just what you have to do, right? If it's if by the time you're listening to this, the Red Wings have already waived someone like a Stetcher or DeKaiser. And then Valeno's back the next day, then that's one thing. But it could go up to that two weeks in the trade deadline and that that side. It's not the end of the world. It, it kind of just is what it is. What do you anticipate happening? Mm, not much right now, honestly. You think it's going to go closer to the deadline? From a value standpoint, it would make the most sense to do that. Um, just because all the reasons we laid out, I don't think the Red Wings are in a great position trade-wise. And we could talk about, well, yeah, Nemesnikov or Bertuzzi or whoever would have value and they you could trade them tomorrow. Those are forwards. This is They're not carrying nine defensemen. Something has to give with a defenseman and it's not a great market for Eisen right now unless he just punts and says, yeah, we're just going to wave whoever and that's how we're going to clear up the room. So, Also, I think Rowney's hurt, so he's on. Yeah. So... Uh, again, it doesn't. It's a it's a spot potentially on the IR, which again alleviates Eisenman's need to rush anything. But yeah, they're not going to carry nine defensemen for too long. Kind of feel for Carter Rowney. He's spent all that time trying to get back into the lineup after being hurt. Gets back in, seems to be doing okay, and then just immediately hurt again. Yeah, poor dude. This is why you don't block shots. <laughs> oh, you're that kind of forward. You should see the inside of my thigh right now. This there's a oh very specific God. reason no, I do not. Block I'm shots. good without. Is your is the inside of your thigh black and blue? It's disgusting. It literally all right here, maybe the size of like a fist and a half, like several shades of purple and red. It's this, nobody should ever block a shot. It everybody who does it is dumb and wrong. <laughs> I blocked a shot in beer league the other day just for. You're a hero. Just yeah. by accident. That's the only reason I ever blocked a shot in beer league. <laughs> just, just for just for jokes. Like I know goalie goalie spend three thousand dollars on their gear. I'm gonna let him use it. I uh like game seven of like the championship series, sure. Okay, I'll I'll get down in front of one knowing I got the off season right in front of me. <laughs> I used to like really like thin, skimpy equipment, like think Shanny's shoulder pads from back in yeah. the day. I hate I wanted light equipment, I wanted freedom. Same. And I started blocking shots and I very quickly went out and got the bulkier stuff. I had to wait to dislocate a shoulder before I got the before I smartened up, but still past the age of 30. Yeah. At least. Yeah. I was, I'm not kidding. My shoulder pads that I was wearing when that happened were almost as old as you. Yeah. I'm all for it, man. I love old shoulder pads. Yeah. It was, but then I'm like, they okay. stretch in every direction. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Now time to upgrade. <laughs> there is no support. It somehow reduces uh, your protection. I don't know how. Yeah. It's just math. Still. Science. Yeah. Carter Rowney's out. Uh, your anticipation. So we have. I might have gone too too far ahead by saying it. it's probably not going to be DeKaiser. I would like for it to be DeKaiser to be waived. It should be DeKaiser, but if you want that quote-unquote veteran mentorship in the room and you think Mark Stahl is getting traded, 
Well, DeKaiser is the guy for that. As much as people don't want to admit it, again, DeKaiser is a smart hockey player and by all accounts, a good dude in the dressing room and one of the leaders in this team. His body just doesn't let him play hockey anymore. He's three steps behind you. So if he's the healthy scratch for the rest of the season, but he's in the locker room helping the young guys, there is value to that. But based on on ice performance, yeah, he should be the first guy that should be gone. But for that reason, I don't think it's going to happen. Those guys I listed that are potential trade or wave candidates. What do you think happens here? Or maybe you go off the board and you say a forward trade. Well, they still have to clear D. Yeah, there's nine of them. Well, I think we've basically covered what the options are. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen? Which is, which is the put, option? Put your neck. Well, they're going to trade somebody. Who? Tell us now. Mm. Stick your neck out. Be wrong. Oh, I won't be wrong, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now he's falling. Um, I definitely think Nick Letty is the person that they are planning to move on from. Yeah. I don't know if it's, it might be too like of a big brain move to give Mark Stahl an A and then, you know, use that as like, oh, he's, he's, he's just a captain on this team. This will garner more return at the trade deadline. But I mean. I think he has the A because he's a rock star. That's why. Yeah. It stands for. Absolute rock star. Yeah. Is it like, I would just send everybody Nick Letty's plus minus and Mark Stahl's plus minus and look, hey, look, it's like 30 goals difference here. Give us a second. You can have Mark Stahl for a second or Nick Letty for a third. It's up to you. <laughs> they're, some gonna, they're somehow going to pull the trigger on both. Yeah, it's this is one of those things where, um, for those of you who love when we just stick our ne- necks out and uh, guess, and then we end up are inevitably wrong, this is likely going to be one of those scenarios because we're posting this yep. Sunday evening. Probably by noon tomorrow, we're going to hear of a move immediately, and it's not going to wait until the deadline, then we'll know more. But still, yeah, there, this is between this and – uh, Verana and Stevens, like the dominoes are starting to fall. The trade deadline is coming. Whether you think a lot happens in hockey or the Red Wings are dull in terms of roster movement or not, now is the time where we're going to see things happen because it has to. It, we the Eisman's hand is forced, and you know he picked up Yolevi with something in mind. So we'll see what that is. But in any case, uh, curious to see what Yolevi can do. He also played with Mitchell Stevens in London. The year after they won the Memorial Cup. Oh, that's right with Stevens. I forgot about that. I hate how many, as a Kitchener Rangers fan, I hate how many former London Knights and Guelph Storm the Red Wings have accumulated. <laughs> they're they're good teams, you know. At least we got Sobrango to keep it. Yeah, at least a little on level. I had the Memorial Cup winning roster for London. That team that and the lineup was insane. Was that they, the Marner year? Yeah. But Christian Dvorak was actually their leading scorer. Oh, Matthew, yeah. Matthew Kachuk, I believe, was also on that team. Yeah. It's turned out all right. Evan Bouchard was on that team. Yep. They w- Robert Thomas was on that team. Yeah. But no, they don't pay players in the OHL. Remember this. <laughs> the t- yeah. The number of like, you know, on the elite prospects, they have the little team, NHL team. There was a lot. Yeah. The number of like. there was a, It was a majority of the players. Yeah, <laughs> that column was full for most yeah. of the London Knights. Man. Yeah, <laughs> explaining the OHL to someone who doesn't know hockey is funny because they're like, how does this team and like a couple others, how are they consistently the best? And you're just like, oh, well, <laughs> it's weird. A lot, of, a lot of scholarships handed out. It's the beautiful city of London, Ontario. That's why. Yes. You ever just feel feeling kind of stabby? London, Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> I can make that joke. I'm from Windsor. Um, okay. Jacob Vrana. 
his uh he's got to be close and at this point the red wings are like the team is putting out content about verona's you know path to recovery his last year what it was like coming to the red wings and his injury what he's been doing for the, for the entire season as he's been off uh, after so- shoulder surgery and that stuff he's getting close i think we're we're getting really close to a jacob verona return which is just a excellent um you know talking about those power play units whether that's Fabry going down to the second unit or maybe they stick Verona in there to start or whatever it is. And uh, two, uh, he's an exciting player who scores goals. Like that's what he does. So it's, you have another guy in that tier of, oh, this is someone when they're on the ice, they are going to do something. And, you know, the Red Wings have been excited because they have Larkin, they have Raymond, they've had Cider for a lot of the year, Bertuzzi in that tier, but not much else. So adding a player of that caliber is, is going to make the end of the season, hopefully, Provided he's not too rusty, really, really fun. Yeah, it's uh, weird how this is timing up where it looks like he might return right around the trade deadline, like right when spots are going to conveniently be available. I don't... No, I don't think it has anything to do with that. They should keep him on LTIR until they are in the playoffs or after the trade deadline. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob Verona returns after a three-year absence. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, it's... um, it adds another wrinkle to all the roster gymnastics that are going to have to be performed as we were just talking about. But unlike Yolevi, we we know that Jacob Brown is going to provide an impact and be an upgrade on whoever he replaces. Well, we know Yolevi is going to be an upgrade on at least a few guys, but Verona definitively going to be an upgrade. And um, yeah, it's going to give this team a new dimension, a new look. Um, I hope they don't rush him. That's all I'm worried about. And it doesn't appear that they are just because shoulders are tricky and finicky. So um, if he's ready tomorrow, give him an extra week type situation. But uh, yeah, I'm, I still think the trade deadline is going to impact most of what's going to happen. So I don't even want to talk about like line hypotheticals or power play hypotheticals or any of that, because odds are whoever's spot he's probably going to end up taking um, won't be on the team then. So the there's a lot of buffer on this Red Wings lineup, right? Like we just talked about how the team probably won't. I don't know. The fact that we said they won't means they will, but they probably won't wave to Kaiser or, you know, it would suck to have to wave Stetcher for nothing. But let's say the trade deadline comes and goes and for factors outside of Eisman's control, they can't move a lot of guys or they choose not to because they don't get the right price. Then you have those guys you can wave. There's not really, there might be a, oh, I'm bummed. Stetcher's gone moment but there's not going to be anything else like that like we're not talking about the vegas golden knights or the tampa bay lightning where you have to hold a guy out with a wink wink nudge nudge ltir to protect your fantastic roster we already have it it's carter running I mean, that's mark Stahl's spot <laughs> <laughs> um it is more important to get him back and i i think you're right i don't think they're rushing him i think he's i mean he's been out this long anthony mantha by the way who also had shoulder surgery is already back so Shoulders are tricky and finicky. It's the way it goes. I'm just saying Washington won the trade. Uh-huh. It was, it, for legal well, reasons, that was a joke. Yeah. Well, how's Costa doing? Uh, Yeah, better. We're doing fine. Yep. We're doing fine on that trade. Um, I'm, I don't want to put a date on it, and we haven't had any inkling of what a date might be. have not heard anything in that respect, but I don't imagine it'll be too much longer. No. It's if Rowney doesn't go on LTIR and Verona comes back and Mitchell Stevens comes back soon, which is around his timeline, that's when things could get really interesting uh, up front on this roster. Because 
if they, let's say hypothetically, they only trade Nemesnikov, a lot of, uh, there's going to be at least a couple guys that fans aren't going to want to see get waived, get waived. They will not have a choice. Like Rowney might have to get waived. You might see a Giovanni Smith, a Sam Gagne. Yeah. Like it, it might happen. God, what, whatever will we do? No, like it's not from a on ice product. It's it's a good thing because it means there are better players coming back to replace uh, less good players. And as much as on ice, I don't think Sam Gunny or Giovanni Smith bring a whole hell of a lot of value. Still sad to see him go. I like the guys. Like, yeah. Okay. Why don't we actually anything else on Verona potentially returning in the lineup? I'm excited. Arizona. That's when it'll happen. Oh, you think Tuesday? Well, I mean, it'll be an empty. Wait, is that at home or in Arizona? That is at home. Okay. (laughs) There's so we'll find out Wednesday if you're right or wrong, Um, or Tuesday night. But we'll talk about it Wednesday. Why don't we jump into our prospect profile for this episode before overtime? And that is none other than uh, another notable Finnish player. We're talking about Yo Levy. Let's get talking about Joachim Kemmel, right winger out of Finland. Who is he? Where does he rank? What can we expect? Boy, if you like Timo Polkinen, I got news. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but that being said, a smallish winger who is not afraid to play physical has an absolute weapon for a shot and um, scores a lot of goals and is then doesn't score many. Very inconsistent. That's what Joachim Kemmel is. He's a highly skilled, highly competitive winger with a bomb of a shot just it's his biggest like of all the tools in his bag it's the best one he has he's a good puck handler um he is a decent playmaker although he doesn't utilize it nearly enough uh he he very much gets tunnel visioned a lot um he's skilled enough that it works a lot but that that's not one of those traits that i think is going to translate very well to the nhl um he does have to pick his spots a little better but he can work the perimeter. He can work the middle. He can score from just about anywhere. And he has good enough hands to be able to get himself and awareness to get himself in positions to utilize his shot. He's not the fastest. Um, he's not the biggest, but he is willing to engage in the physical aspect of the game. But going into the World Juniors, he led the ent- – I think it was not just U20 players. I, I think he led all of Liga, Finland's top league, in goals. Maybe even total points, but goals for sure. And then he had a small injury, I believe, went, came back, went to the World Juniors, and I don't know if he scored since. It has been a nightmare uh, two-month run for him since then. Because he he was shooting up the draft board for a while. Like, oh, yeah. Top five, top three. Yeah, and he has just been absolute ice cold ever since. Now, he was on a bit of a shooting bender to start the season. Like, uh, shooting percentage was like high 20s, low 30s for a while. And obviously, that's not sustainable at any level. Very sustainable, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, but as 0% is also not sustainable. So, um, very, very tough to get a gauge on him right now just because of the two absolutely opposite dimensions that he's had this year. So, the skill is there. The intrigue is there. But... This is a prospect that's probably going to divide draft boards pretty decisively. Intrigue is the right word, and that's what I am with Kemmel. Um, in terms of, let's talk about everything but his shot. I think he's a firecracker. I think he does. Got some jam. Yeah. Like, I think he does a lot of things really well, or at least sufficiently. Like, I think 
for his size, he plays very tough. I think for his probably raw skating ability, he moves really well. And I think for someone who's not known as a playmaker, he dishes the puck and reads the game well, um, or at least well enough. That said, the hardest thing to do in the NHL is score goals. And if this is what is going to put him in a top five to 10 draft position is his ability to score goals. And you see these hot and cold streaks, you're thinking, what are the mechanics behind a shot and behind his game to get himself in the position to take that shot? By all rights, it looks like he has a really good release on his wrister, which, you know, I hate. He keeps getting drawn into these, but you look at Philip Zadina, who has a good shot in some ways, but in other ways, like he can't really, there are some things that he's missing. Like you've mentioned, Brad, in terms of, you know, deception, changing the angle of your stick, doing like a sweeping motion and firing the puck in one, in one fell swoop. That's kind of where Zadina's shot has been buried and stifled. So I always am a little wary of guys who their shooting comes and goes. I think this last, however long of the season that they have is going to be pretty indicative of what's going to happen for his draft stock hot take, but he is intriguing. Um, and where he goes is going to fall entirely on how a, a draft team, an amateur scouting team, thinks his shot is going to translate into the NHL. Because if it's if his shot goes away, he moves down a round, right? Yeah, or to the the back, at least the back of the first round. So, I uh, I'm, I have a hard time with Kemmel. I don't know where to place him, and I I wouldn't even know if you know he's there for the Red Wings at their inevitable sixth pick if that's the guy I want. I could see him going anywhere from five to twenty-five. Like he is dividing scouts, at least with the ones I know and have talked to and have read. Yeah, it's like he was a top five on a lot of lists going into the World Juniors, and now I he's he seems to be averaging fringe top ten on most lists I look at. So that's like it's only a five spot, five-ish spot drop. But when you're in the top 10, five spot drop is a significant drop. So if he doesn't start showing some consistency in his game and producing more, I don't think his stock trends upwards the rest of the season. That being said, that means he might fall right into the Red Wings lap, which would, like we talked about with Lambert, do you take the risk? It's funny goal scorers almost get a harder time in draft conversations just because they're seen as one dimensional. But you know, if a guy's scoring goals from you for you, then you don't really care what else he's doing. That's the be all and end all of Red Wings game or of, of hockey games. As, as someone who appreciates defense in hockey, it wise up. Oh, I used to, I know a guy who used to play defense. He sits to my right on the podcast, (laughs) but you know, I even can't contest the fact that, yeah, goal scoring and offense is what, A, drives excitement, and B, wins games. Yes, defense wins championships. Yes, defense, you can't have a bad defense and expect to win, obviously, but at the end of the day, you need a guy who can score goals. So if a team takes a risk, not takes a risk, but if a team takes Kemmel super high and he translates and he's a guy who who scores 25 to 35 in the NHL, that's a success. So... Is an interesting player for sure. You want to see a guy cycle the puck or you want to see him hit home runs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you want dingers. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. Any other thoughts on Joachim Kemmel? Okay. 
Uh, let's jump into overtime here. Uh, on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we'll start off with our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, they're the reason we are able to run the show um, and do things like plan for trade deadline content and run through an offseason and uh, host the Winged Wheel Podcast night at the LCA. So they're amazing people. Uh, and thank you so much. Bill Nye, the Thai guy, says, hey, Dub Dub boys, overall, how has the season lined up with your expectations? For me, it's been way above average as a whole, but Blashill has been mildly disappointing as a coach. Um, the season has definitely gone much better um, than I was expecting. Uh, second half, I think, might regress a little bit to what we were expecting just with the way the schedule goes, but so far, very happy. Uh, Blashill, I would say, has been better. Um, he He's... Definitely smartened up in some areas, although there are still several key areas that remain remain super questionable. Um, but no coach is perfect, and I understand that. I'm sure there's Islanders fans who complain about stuff Trotz does, so it's fine. But um, yeah, overall, I, it's it's hard to sit here and not be happy given what preseason expectations were. I even have a hard time. I think I think Blashill is as expected based on how we saw things towards uh trend from the last end of last year onwards there are certain things that he's done in terms of player deployment matchup especially in the, through this tough stretch of the schedule where i'm like uh a few head scratchers and then you kind of have to remind yourself that there's not a lot that you can do and he does at times leave like <laughs> cider and raymond and larkin out there for two straight minutes I'm pretty okay on it. I, I think there have been points where he's had a really good season in terms of development as a coach. I think there's been points where it's been, you know, pretty below average. Call it a wash if you want. Yeah, because, like, you still get the moments like Friday night where by all the advanced metrics, like, you know, whatever one you want to look at for forwards, Philip Zadina was first on the Red Wings in every category in the Friday night game against Tampa, and he played the lowest minutes of anybody on the team that didn't get injured. So... That stuff like that still happens way too frequently for my liking. Or games where Danny DeKaiser's uh, less so lately, but where Danny Kaiser would be having a train wreck game, and then you look at the end of the night and he played twenty two minutes. That is a positive because he has stopped doing that, but that did happen a lot this year. Thirty uh, two year old Calder candidate says, "I've gone to watch University of Denver live a few times this year, and as amaz- as amazing as Carter Mazer is, Sean Barons is the most impressive player on that team, and I would love to see Stevie get him from the Avs at the deadline. He doesn't get the respect he deserves, and is probably a top five defenseman, not in the NHL. I know some would hate it, but I'd be thrilled with Barons for Zadina straight up. I would have liked it more if they drafted him over his current D partner, Shy Bouyam, but say Levy." Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Um, hey, Colorado's going to be a buyer at the deadline. It's not crazy to think that something could be there for that, but it it's probably not going to be one of Detroit rentals. Detroit's rentals, if that's happening. Apparently, Colorado was asking about Patrick Kane. Just casually fit in a Patrick Kane contract. Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, you know, Colorado's not in the market for the Nick Lettys of the world. They're, they're swinging for a cup here. Do you want a Patty Kane or do you want a Nick Letty-Mark Stahl combo? Come on now. I don't even need the Nick Letty part of that to be happy, Ryan. <laughs> Apple Cider says, just want to shout out to Luke Witkowski for a good Tilly and Victor Bratstrom for his first career AHL shutout tonight against the Iowa Wild. It was a fun night to be at Van Andel. I can't wait till we can get out there for a game. Not even going to call up Bratstrom's uh, celebratory somersault that he did after getting named for a star. We said incredible. we wanted 
we wanted more of that in North America. There he is. He's delivering. Well, I'm giving. I don't know if Max ever talked to Victor Brassroom, but I'm giving Max credit for that. Yeah, uh, Max, who made his Bally Sports Detroit appearance, his uh, his premier appearance, looked good. He picked a good tie. I think that was yep. a quality tie. It was a great tie. Uh, I-99 says, which NHL team has been the most disappointing this season, in your opinion? For me, as things stand, it's probably the Devils. I'll say it. I will say the team that is blue, orange, and white. The Islanders? Yes. Edmonton? Oh. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about Edmonton for a second. Yeah, so did Ken Holland, apparently. Uh, you know what? I he look- said he, there was a quote recently that he's uh, likely not going to acquire a goalie. He said he's happy with his goaltending. My wife left me. I don't know. That's the same energy statement. Like, I'm happy. <laughs> I just... Then the next game, there's that still image of the Montreal Canadiens scoring on an empty net as Mike Smith is five feet out of his net to the side trying to scramble back in. So, um, For me, it's the Seattle Kraken. I understand expansion team. They didn't exactly draft for you know, competing in the playoffs. I wouldn't say they've had a disappointing season. Given the team that they had, it's gone close to what I think a lot of people expected other than their goaltending just sewering them even worse than they – should have been, but I still to this day cannot even remotely comprehend what Ron Francis's strategy was going into the season. Who's your most disappointing NHL team this year? Um, disappointing, eh? I mean, Montreal's been a bit of not that I really care if Montreal's garbage, but I mean, they're terrible. Dominic Ducharme probably not a probably shouldn't have been an NHL coach. Hey, but Marty St. Louis is a Cole Caulfield whisperer. Oh, yeah, because they can look each other in the eyes. <laughs> uh, Large, the prophet of the towering behemoth of the Swedish winger. Congrats, Large, on putting out that episode. Says, hello, Swedophiles. Is it, isn't it? Is it time to reunite the Burt Larkin-Raymond line, as in permanently? Sure, it's possible that it makes the team easier to game plan against, but just switching the first line left winger out for whichever placeholder Blasio finds in the tom- Tombola doesn't uh, really optimize that line either. I think we get worse by spreading the talent. What do you think? Uh, the placeholder is not a placeholder for Bert. It's a placeholder for Verona. There's my hot take. Vi- and then he finishes by saying via con Odin muchachos. So uh, that's likely. I don't want to... Uh deviate from this conversation but april 2nd is margaritaville night at in at for grand rapids oh are you going to be driving straight there yes yeah i think the bertuzzi this happened the moment i said in terms of output they're playing some of the best hockey of any line in the nhl right now so that was a stupid statement because it immediately tanked them but the um the guelph line with bertuzzi Suter, and fabry has not had the same dominance that they had from the start. I wouldn't hate seeing Bertuzzi back up there, but like you said, Brad, Verona will return eventually, so you kind of just have to wait and see. Um, okay, why don't we take a Reddit question here. Uh, Elvish Blood says, what role does a bottom six need to fill on a contending team in the NHL? How do you guys think they should be constructed? Top six is kind of obvious. Be skilled and score goals. But for us less knowledgeable hockey folk, what about the bottom six? Third line depth scoring and a fourth checking line? I mean, it's overly simplified, but your third line's got to be a good two-way line. They can score and defend. 
um, and your fourth line has to be able to score and defend just to a less um, impactful just and just in a less impactful way that's low event they need to be low event (laughs) yeah like you look at all cup teams all four lines can produce and the first line produces like first line the second line produces like second line so on and so forth when you have because we the red wings have been so bad for so long that the red wings fourth line has always been a pure checking line because they had to be Like we always reference the grind line, but, and they didn't score a ton, but when you look in those old highlight packs of the Red Wings cup runs, that line scored a lot and got a lot of key goals. So it's not just a checking line. I, I think there's no concrete answer to this. I don't think anybody who says you need a third or fourth checking line or guys who can just you know, give the other team's top line trouble is wrong. And I don't think someone who says fill as much talent as you possibly can in your lineup and get the scrubs out of the way. Cause if all four lines can score goals, then you're going to be better. I don't think they're wrong either. I think there's a, a lineup is never going to do exactly what you want it to do all year because guys are going to have slumps. Guys are going to break out. There's going to be injuries. Uh, they're going to be game planned against in a tough matchup in a long playoff series. Like there's no one silver bullet. That said, you're right that the top six, they have to be able to go out there and produce. I really think in the modern NHL, your top, my personal opinion is your top nine need to be able to go out and produce. Your fourth line, and this is a misconception, and I think we're there right now because the Red Wings have been bad for so long, but your fourth line shouldn't just be default guys who suck. Like, shouldn't be it they should be able to go out there and do things effectively like think glory day darren glory days darren helm think like the peak of luke glendening like the peak of luke glendening i don't think is on a cup contender honestly there's not enough 200 uh, foot there because he he didn't have the offense to i (laughs) like if he had two really good wingers with him sure but I think I, I, Luke Lendening on a fourth line, it would be valuable in the playoffs for a cup contending team. I think he could be passable, not valuable. Think of some of the things that he did for Detroit. You don't think that would be good for a team who can go out there and score six or seven goals, but the problem is they let in seven or eight. I think Luke, Luke Lendening would be great for them. Don't even get me started on the faceoffs. <laughs> Depends who his wingers are. Cause I, there's, yeah, of course. Cause but, like in an, NHL playoff game where you're only playing good teams, you cannot be extremely one-dimensional and succeed. Not no, not every player, but if you have three really good lines and your fourth line comes out and it's Luke Lendening and he gives your opponents top line hell. Like if your team's good enough that uh, hypothetically Nemesnikov's one of his wingers, sure. Yeah. Yeah, by all means. Why not? Absolutely. Think uh, what do we do with uh with Luke Lindenning for five years or something, mocked at trades from him to Toronto. I still maintain Toronto in all those years where they were in the playoffs and they got absolutely pumped when they shouldn't have. I think Luke Lindenning would have been a, 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 the kind of guy that they would have been looking for and who could have made a difference. I'm not saying they're going out and winning I rounds. He's the reason Austin Matthews can't score against Montreal. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah. I, That's why Babcock played him like – Marner and Matthews, like 12 minutes in the, no. the final game. What was of the it year. like 16 or 17? And Marlowe got like 20, 21 or something yep. like that. Oh, man. That was like, there's a lot of moments where you just turned to your least fan friends and you said, Yeah, we told you. 
We told you. Um, and see, that's what I mean. Like, the, the, there's no real one way to do it. We can probably have two hours based on what we should. Uh... Yeah. Okay, we have time for a Twitter question here from Adam Flett. It says, can you see McIsaac getting his cup of coffee after the trade deadline? Uh, with Yolevi there, less likely now. Um, I, it's going to depend on injuries. I know it's a boring answer, um, but if it's late in the season and the Red Wings are out of it and roster spots become available for because of trades, injuries, what have you, yeah, I don't think they're going to be shy to plug anybody in there just to get them a look, but I, I don't think he's in the plans for that right now, but things could change. Yeah. Yeah. It's unless it's a wild deadline and everyone gets bought from the wings, like the shelves are cleared. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, Why don't we wrap this up? We have a Patreon exclusive uh, overtime to record. Thanks for bearing with us a little bit of a scatterbrained or scattershot episode, I should say, but um, we'll see how quickly this ages and if it ages like wine or milk, depending on how Eisenman and the Red Wings make their news. So uh, quick reminder, if you haven't yet, get your tickets to Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA. We want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, our name level sponsors on Patreon, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels, on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry, driver of the number 69, Crying Ryan, Hannah's been in a semi-jamathong, Taylor Tadgel, Matthew M. Rice, B. Diz, Boost Lobsinger, Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Daniel Garcia, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greach, Hana Lee, Hassam Al-Kissem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, R.A., Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Zach Spring, Eves Bartels, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landeskog, Ben Barron, Boos McBipperson. <laughs> <laughs> Connor Leighton, Dave W, Eric Sinkowski, Evans Bingo Card, insert random Brad related name here. James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Stull, Matt Keeler, Matt S, Max One Million Dollars, Reed, Revy DeLuca, Terry Actual, Trevor Pevavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. We'll talk to you midweek. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.